When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. With the astral stuff, like, first of all, I was fascinated by, like, psychedelics and and just, like, tuning into this, into other realities. Like, it just was fun to me. Um, but also I think that the, like, you know, that meditation, like, yoga, like, making art, like, all of it is really just a tool to get you to presence. Because if you can be present you are a great person. You know, like if you're a present parent, you're a good parent. If you're a present partner, you're a good partner. If you're present when you're making your art, your art's going to be good. Like it's the secret to happiness. <laughs> so I think that I was learning that. And now that I've, after, after I practiced it for a few years, I'm now just present all the time. Like I'm just sort of always meditating. And um, so I don't do it as much anymore. Although when I was reading this, I was like, I should do it again because that's fucking fun. So I'm not an artist, uh, like as a visual artist, I cannot draw, but I did draw some of these like gnarly creatures that I met. <laughs> and she said, this is my pot of eternal energy, um, darling. <laughs> it is also a wormhole. Yeah, wow. So I'm looking at this drawing and it's like kind of a jellyfish, kind of a, almost like kind of a mushroom in a way. Yeah. With, with, um, with, with like sort of a, a bulbous, like sort of flowering top. And then in the bottom of it is like sort of kind of like in insect. kind of insect legs, right? Yeah. And then these like weird tentacle things. Yeah. Did it present itself to you in, uh, in a color as well? It was black and white. It was black and white. But there are beings in color. This is another one. Um, oh, which is, this was like pink, like electric pink mm -hmm. bubble gum, like membrane-y and just mm -hmm. this giant eye. This is the one I call Glorp Glop, <laughs> but his name is like, <laughs> you know, it's something crazy yeah, like that. Yeah. And he lives on a, a planet of black onyx. And all of these beings, these higher dimensional beings were like my therapist. Mm -hmm. So I would go to them and we would have a conversation about like my hangups, mm -hmm. which is hilarious to me on a couple different levels. Cause it's like, look at you and you're like infinite wisdom and you're like ninth dimensional glory. And you're talking to me about my little human problems, you know? <laughs> And it opened me up to like, like this concept of, uh, in, you know, spiritual people talk about having like a, like a set of guides or like a team. And they, I always tell people that you're like your guides, however they choose to manifest for you are, you know, there's like a trap door in your crown chakra and all of them are there. They're waiting for you to open the door, even just a little crack. And, you know, they're not impatient. They're not checking their watches. They're just there hanging out, watching over you, taking notes mm -hmm. for whenever you decide to open that door. And the second you do, they're going to flood your life with, like, love and support. They're not judging you. You know, there's no heaven or hell or 
or anything like there's not no sin there's just like living <laughs> and not knowing better and then living and knowing better I'm Jim Perry. This is Euphemet, a show about the unknown and our relationship to it. This time, the road we travel to find a better way to live, both in this realm and others. Next on Euphemet. What is it to not run from it? Negativity, darkness, changing you, crushed until it turns white. You allow it, from the inside out radiant, a body made of light. Brick Hannon is an artist musician, performer, one tracing their path, their journey of discovery through other realms, an echo of the real world, not just a memory. Basically what would happen is, I have actually notes here on how to astral project that I think started my, um, I can't remember where it was, but basically I found this video on YouTube about it stand on your yoga mat on the edge of it and then step back and stand on the floor and then go back on your yoga mat and then go back on the floor and just pay attention to like how it feels so when your feet are on the yoga mat you pay attention to like in this spot what does the air feel like what does the mat feel on my feet like how is my balance you know how am I standing how is the energy here and then you step back on the like on a hardwood floor and you're like this feels different your feet feel different the air feels different the energy feels different and you keep doing that until you get to a place where you're like I'm standing on the floor but I'm gonna picture myself standing on the mat and I'm gonna feel as if I'm standing on the mat and then you just keep going back and forth until you get so disoriented that you don't know where you are. I just practiced that for like weeks. And then I started just wherever I was being able to kind of do that. And then I started leaving my body and just floating above it and like seeing myself laying. And then I, of course, uh, did the really frivolous thing where I was like, I've always wanted to fly. So I would like go fly, <laughs> go to the beach. I would visit people I loved. And then I started venturing out. So I would like picture myself like a rocket ship, like leaving the atmosphere. I went above the earth and I could see these like silver tethers that were e attached to a human on earth. And they just went into space, like beyond where I could see or perceive. And it was just this like energetic connection that we were all, you know, we're all bound to something. <laughs> Um, we're all coming from the same place or something. So then from there, I kind of went even further out into like different realms and dimensions. And so I would stop and meet like a spirit guide. I have the bulbous, you know, creature. He's so big and like, and Lovecraftian that like, you get the sense that he's like old. 
You know, like the older you get and the wiser you get, the less your form needs to make sense to like a human consciousness. And so they get more esoteric, the like older and wiser they are. And each one would kind of like talk to me about my problem, like one of my wounds, basically. Like one of everybody has like a set of core wounds. And honestly, everybody's core wounds are pretty much the same. It's like <laughs> abandonment, lovability. And that's pretty much it, you know? <laughs> some of them have to do more with poverty. Some of them have to do more with like, um, like social rejection, you know, but they're basically the same. Like basically it comes down to I am unworthy or I am un unlovable. I have like bitch and cunt tattooed on my hands. Um, I love those words and I love swearing, but also this is what my mom used to call me when I was a kid. And I also have fat ass tattooed on the backs of my thighs because she also called me that. I come from Norfolk, Virginia, which is like a military town. And so everybody has like multiple generations of people in the military. And I think there comes like, a generational trauma with that there's like unavailable fathers and like alcoholism and basically single moms who aren't single moms and <laughs> and that's just like very prevalent in my family so like when I was a child it was rough like everyone was either drunk or like strung out both of my parents had alcohol problems um my dad left when he when I was like two or three and my mom I think has some kind of like undiagnosed like bipolar disorder or something like that. She's just a very unstable person. And she was like extremely drunk for most of my childhood. Like I don't remember a single day where she wasn't slurring her words and like, you know, couldn't walk and just was a very volatile person. My grandma was born in 1946. So like, you didn't talk about feelings. You didn't go to therapy. And, <laughs> And so she was with this extremely abusive man for a long time and she had four kids with him. And then she met my grandpa who isn't, you know, my biological grandpa. He's like a very sweet man, but he's an alcoholic too. He's like a Navy man, he has PTSD. So I remember when I was a kid, like, don't wake Papa up. Like you can't startle him awake because it's dangerous. Like just very traumatized as people. So like these two traumatized people got together and like, accidentally, I think, I don't think it was on purpose, but traumatized their children they raised together. I think my grandma was traumatized by her kids, <laughs> by the trauma she caused her kids and the way it played out in their behavior. So she was very strict on me and also was like super enmeshed with me. So we would drive around and I would be in my car seat and she, I'd be like her therapist. She'd be telling me all the things going on in my family and like, I just knew way too much too young. As I got older, um, you know, my mom kicked me out when I was 11 and I moved in with my grandma after everyone kind of split off. My sister and I would like beg our grandma, like, can we please just not speak to these people? Like, can we please just be our own family? And she couldn't do it. And, you know, I know they were her kids, but like she just couldn't choose us, which is more of that abandonment, you know, like I love you, but I love them more. <laughs> and and that just went on until I was like 20 eight when I finally left home and I was trying to give her one last opportunity and be like you know these are the ways that I've been hurt and it would always be like oh don't live in the past you can't always walk around in life being a victim like 
oh, you're so dramatic or like everybody goes to therapy and suddenly it's my fault. Just like guilt trips and deflection. And so I feel like I've been fighting my whole life and like understanding that it's not normal. And like, you know, I would point out my mom's drinking and get in trouble. Just like every time I told the truth, I was rejected or punished in some way to the point of like physical abuse sometimes. Growing up, I was just like, you wonder why you're so like on edge and like brace for impact in every interaction. And I was just like an anxious mess. Like I just didn't, you know, the least little sign of getting in trouble in school and I would break down crying just like on edge, you know? And as I've grown and like liberated myself and realized that like, oh, I get to decide about how I feel about myself. I get to decide if I love my body or not. I get to decide who I am and like how I move through the world and what, you know, what I carry with me and who I believe about me, you know? And so I got these to remind myself that like, this is where I've come from and this is how I overcame. In like the early 2010s, I was a Tumblr person. I was like always on Tumblr. I, it was like, I never knew I wanted to be a writer, but it was like a really beautiful way to practice writing and, and just share my thoughts. I used it like a diary. And when I first got on there, it was fully to like lose weight. I was like knee deep in my eating disorder and just like had a bunch of friends who were also dieting. And then over time we got, we all like figured that out. And we were like, fuck that. I'm not doing that anymore. It's stupid. And we like be, everyone came out. Everyone was queer. Everyone was like traumatized. Just like really weird. These people that I've never even met in person, like in through 10 years of knowing them, 11 years of knowing them. 12 years, oh God, uh, 12 years of knowing them. We've never met in person, but they're some of my closest friends. And because we went on this journey together, and one day when I was like 24, one of them shared that they'd been reading this book that was called like Toxic Families and How to Heal from Them or something like that. I can't remember the exact title, but I talk about it every day. And it was this book written, is a self-help book written by a psychologist who noticed patterns in her patients who were traumatized. And so she took excerpts from their sessions and explained like how, you know, how, why women who were little girls in traumatized households, like why, or trauma-filled households, why they have eating disorders, why we have relationship dysfunctions, why codependence is so prevalent in us, prevalent in us, like why suicidal ideation happens, just like breaking down every issue I ever had in my life in this book. And I was, I mean, talk about like a tower moment. Like I was on the couch, just like crying for like days and days and days because I was reading this book because someone who I followed on Tumblr, you know, who we started out dieting together, shared this link. And that was the first breadcrumb I had that like I could feel better. After reading more self-help books and just like thinking about it and analyzing it and trying to have conversations with my grandma, who I was really close with, but who couldn't handle the truth of how bad things were. So like she's like my person and I keep trying to go to her and tell her these things and she just keeps rejecting me. <laughs> so that started the tension there. But then I got my tarot cards and I was like pulling them every day and I just write down what I found. And, and that kind of opened me up to like to presence, to like self-reflection, because they're a really beautiful tool 
for getting to know yourself. You know, if you've never sat down with yourself and like had a conversation or like reflected on your life or why you do the things you do, like they're just a great jumping off point. And it was just like that, like one thing after another, after another. And then I started meditating every day in the morning and then I got a journal and just became a little bit obsessed with healing and like wanting to feel better. At the same time, I was like starting to, I did burlesque for a while and that opened up like whole new realms of like body positivity and self-expression and feeling confident on stage and the politics of like sex work and just all this kind of stuff that was like really valuable to me as like a, you know, like a sexual assault survivor and like, and someone who struggled with weight my whole life. And so, you know, it's like, I can't believe the way that it worked out, the way that I was just like guided to exactly what I needed at exactly specific times. But it was like, as I was healing all of this stuff, I was getting more confident. And I loved myself a little more and I knew myself a little more. And it, it sounds like nice now, but it was totally chaotic when I was going through it. I was so scared. I was like worried about hurting the person I was with. I was worried about, I didn't, I never laid a boundary in my life. Like I was super <laughs> codependent and like a real people pleaser and really was just kind of existing as like other people's projections of me. Like, you know, someone would be like, oh, I see you, you're this way. You're this person to me. And I'd be like, okay. And then I would just like go about meeting their needs and to the point where I didn't know myself. And so every time I went through one of these transformations, I would become more me. I mean, I have this like beautiful ability. I mean, it's like clinically dissociation, but like <laughs> on a spiritual level, this beautiful ability to tune out, you know? And that comes from like sitting around while someone's yelling and screaming at you or while, while someone's getting beat up in the next room. Like I can be here physically, but be somewhere else in my mind. And it's, you know, it's not good when you're using it to cope in that way, but it did open me up to like visualization and like a strong ability to meditate and, um, and to be somewhere else while my physical body's like sitting on my yoga mat, you know? <laughs> so it, it did become a like a skill, yeah. you know. Because while while you're doing that out of like survival and necessity, it opens up that plane view essentially, where you're like, oh, that's a space I can go to. Yeah, and my body is not all there is. Yeah. You know, there's another place, which I think is pretty cool. <laughs> that's so cool. Britt found a new life outside of her body in the astral plane, but as it turns out, she was not alone. Each one would kind of like be there to hold my hand as I went into a painful childhood memory or sometimes a beautiful childhood memory. And I would be able to tune into myself what I was feeling at the moment. I would be able to tune into anyone in the scene's emotional state 
and where they were, were coming from. And I would be able to feel like the vibes going on. And each time it was that. So each time I would have like an encounter with a spirit guide and we would have a conversation and then they would be with me as I went through something painful. And so I had like a whole set of them. There was like a big lion that I named Odin. <laughs> My dog that passed would sometimes be with me. I don't know, there's like too many to even think about. One of the wildest ones was I was meditating and I encountered like a woman who had six arms and she had her, at first I thought her hair was styled like Princess Jasmine, you know, in that like sort of like cone thing that she wears. And then as she got closer, I realized that she had like a cobra head. I was just like hanging out with her and like feeling her palpable love energy. And then after I was like, I wonder if that's real. And so I Googled like six arm cobra head lady and it turns out that it's like a real goddess. And that would happen a lot too, where I'd like encounter something and then, and then Google it to see if it was like a thing and it would be a thing. Like I met the moon once and cause I love the moon and <laughs> have been obsessed my whole life. And so I sit down with her and have tea and she's like this gorgeous woman and she has these like silver tendrils flowing out from her. And then I, I was like moon goddess and I saw that the Chinese moon goddess looked exactly like the one I met. Like how would I tune into that? never having know it, known that, unless that is just like a frequency that's available. Like that's a reality that exists and never having like in the material realm experienced it or have any background in it, I still come up with the same image, you know? Like that's just wild to me. <laughs> like what there is a, there is some kind of like Akashic record, like universal database where these images exist for them to appear to us. When I was traveling, um, I was getting the guidance that like, you're supposed to be on earth. Like you're supposed to be a human. They were basically being like, you don't have to go home, but you can't stay here, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and so with little, like, again, just like everything else, like I would get these little hints and breadcrumbs of like, you came to the world for a reason. Like you're supposed to live a human life. You're supposed to be flawed. You're supposed to be messy. You're supposed to like have a hard time. That's part of being here. And like at the end of your life, if you've lived like fully, if you've embraced every experience, you'll be ready to go. You know, you'll be like, I'm good. You know, I had a good time. And like, that's the ultimate goal. So it became really important to me and almost like more spiritual to just be present in my human life and allow myself to experience the full capacity of being human. They sort of want to show up for you so you believe, you know, so you're like compelled to come back. And so everything was super weird for me because like Jesus wasn't going to resonate with me. You know what I mean? I have been burned by the church and like, so I, I needed that experience. And I think this like metaphysical, like alien sort of stuff resonates with me because like 
I would think that was fucking cool and I would want to go back there. <laughs> but now I don't need it. You know, now I look at a tree and I'm like, holy shit, that is God, you know? <laughs> and it's just more simple now than it was before. So I can't, I can't exactly pinpoint when it happened, but I do remember when I was first getting into transcendental meditation, I would have like an experience. And this was, I'd been working on healing my trauma for a while, for many years. I'd read a bunch of self-help books. I did therapy. And, and there was stuff that, I don't know, it was just really hard. It wasn't like joyful healing. And it, for, for many years, I felt like I was just pulling like tar out of me and you know people talk about when they have like ayahuasca experiences that they'll purge and they'll look down and it'll be like snakes and rats it's very much that like the shadow coming out of me and i was just like in that for years and just like so much grief and so much heaviness and then when i was doing transcendental meditations i would do these long meditations where i would like practice leaving my body and then i would experience like some kind of spirit guide encounter and we would just like chat and then they would sort of usher me into a childhood memory and sometimes they were really heavy and scary and like sometimes they'd even be like things i'd repressed and sometimes they would be so joyful i would see all the parts of myself that i had let society kind of like talk me out of i would see how strong i was how brave i was how like creative I was, how I've always known what I wanted to do with my life from the time I was like three years old. And it would make me so emotional and it would make me be like, damn, I forgot. I forgot I was brave. I forgot I was like, even, you know, like genderless to a certain extent. Like I forgot I was queer for a while, like just all these things. And and ever since I had those experiences, I just more and more mindfully like brought little me with me as I move through life. And as I've grown up, the kid me has been with me, but it's just been a process of like integrating them and honoring both of them and like not being afraid of growing up and also thinking about what little me would think about where I am now. And sometimes that like really guides my decisions, you know, it's like, would little me think this is cool? And if the answer is no, then I like, don't do it. <laughs> I think that healing is like is alchemy. Owning where I've come from and like releasing the shame and making art out of pain and also making art out of living and living as art and just like all of it is that's like my fuel, you know? That's I think that's why I'm here. I think that's a big part of my purpose. Through exploring this, I love myself more. And so I can be myself more and I can move through this life in a way that is like less judgmental and softer. And I think that's really what we need. And so, yeah, it's like the heart of my entire practice is that philosophy. Thank you for listening to this edition of Euphemet. This feature was edited and scored by John McEdward. Thank you to Britt for their story. Britt is a listener of Euphemet, and you can have your story featured too. Reach out at jim at euphemet.com. For everything Euphemet, including how you can subscribe to the show, 
links to our Patreon and social media. Just visit euphemet.com. And for even more, check out Night Drift. It's our weekly radio broadcast discussing Euphemet and hosting panels on topics at the intersection of society and strange. Sundays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern. This has been Euphemet. I'm Jim Perry, and until next time, keep looking up. <laughs>